Okay. This is a discourse. Hold on. Let me just shut this. Didn't get any interruptions. Okay. It says Moshe called out. So good evening. It says over here, we're holding, in, it's a Parshas Kisave now. We're learning a very special discourse. Um, this is in Lakuti Torah, page 86. Daf Mem Gimel Beis. So in the end of the Parsha, it says, Vayikra Moshe kol Yisrael. Moshe calls all the Jewish people, Vayemid and he says to them, Atem Isem, you have seen everything that Hashem has done for you. Hamasai Sagadoilois, the great tests, Asherah that your eyes have seen. And Hashem has not given you a heart to know, and eyes to see. Until this day, he says, like, even you've seen all the miracles, and God has not given you eyes, a heart to understand, and eyes to see until this day. Now this mimer is a, by the way, one of the memoriam that was said in the early years of the Alter Rebbe, so they have the quality of the more fiery memoriam, more what we might say soul-felt memoriam, and uh, you know, the ones that the Alter Rebbe said after he was arrested, the memoriam the Alter Rebbe said after he was arrested, after Petersburg, are characteristically different in that they're more settled in in in, in words and in and in seichel. And the memorandum before Petersburg are more fiery. Are not so many vessels, not so many containers, but more light. So this is what the Rebbe writes in the back of the Mimer, that this is one of the memorandum before Petersburg. I think besides saying the time when it was, he's also giving the nature of the Mimer. It's an intense Mimer. Anyways, it explains the Indian of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in a very beautiful way. Um, I hope uh, we'll understand it. I mean, uh, I, 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 as I mentioned, my, I, the, the understanding of the mimer till now, of what I've seen to, up till now, is very, very limited. So let's, let, let's hope Hashem will help. In any case, this statement of Moshe Rabbeinu seems to be very wondrous. The Metchila Omar at the beginning, he states, Atem Isam, you have seen... You have seen. I don't have a chumash in front of me. Um, in which, let me get a chumash so we can. Atem. Atem Yeah, by all the way in the end. This is by Shavi. This is in Parak Chavtes. You have seen everything that Hashem has done in front of your eyes, the land of Egypt, 
Leparo, to Paro, Lechalavadov, to all of his servants, to Lechal Arts, and all of his land. Hamasos Hagedolos. The great miracles. Asherahu Anecho that your eyes have seen. Ha'oisais Vahamoisim, the signs and the wonders. Hagedolamahim. And then he says, Vahinosan Hashem Lochem Leiv Ladas. Hashem did not give you a heart to know. Vainayim Lirois, and eyes to see. And ears to listen until this day, until you're entering now into the land of Israel. So, till now, in the 40 years, you don't have the eyes to see. But hold it. The Alter Rebbe says, He just said that you have seen. That means you did see. And then in the next passage, he says, The great miracles that your eyes, that your eyes have seen. So, he's speaking about vision and about seeing earlier. And then in the next verse he says, and God did not give you the ability to see until today. So did he or did he not? Which one? What's going on over here? So what's happening? To understand this, he makes it, for behold it says in the Pasuk, that that he planted, he planted an A-shell, that Avram Avinu planted an A-shell in Be'er Sheva. Vayikrashami called out over there, B'Shem Hashem, in the name of God, Kel Olam, the God of the world. So Avram Avinu called, you know what, before I get, before, before we do all of this, let's just give the answer. The answer in the end of the Mimer is, the Altareb is going to explain, that there's two types of there's two types of love and fear in terms of our connection to God. One of them is created by the human being and comes through our efforts, our sincere efforts. It can be a lifetime of work, but yet it's achieved by a human being through his own, his own avoda. And then there's another kind of avavir, a love and fear that comes from above. And uh, the love and fear that comes from above is a gift from above and it's infinitely higher than anything we can produce from below. So when the Pasuk says, you have seen and you have experienced and, and, and thereby it brought you to great attachment and awareness of Hashem, that's all your experience, seeing and experiencing from below. As, so of course there was vision. And as a consequence of that, the awe and the love that came out of that vision. But this is all your experience from within the, human, from within the human's world. But Hashem has not given you eyes to see, which is a much higher level of vision, which is a vision that God bestows upon a person from above, that you've not had till now. That Hashem is going to give you as you're going into the land of Israel. So there's two types of vision. There is a vision that you see, and there is what Hashem makes you see. So the vision from below we've had during the desert, until this day. But the real vision, you're only going to get now because that's coming from above. And the consequential love and fear that comes from above. Why did it take all these 40 years? The Rebbe says, in order to be, the Alter Rebbe is going to explain, in order to be a vessel, even though you can't create this, light, this, this vision, it's a pure gift from above, it has nothing to do with your avoda, this vision and this experience of love and fear. So you, you don't have a part in it, but yet, in order to just receive it, you have to be an empty container. 
if you're a container full of self, it doesn't go in. So there has to be an emptiness, a space for it to go into. After 40 years of trials and tribulations, when the Jewish people ate man, and man didn't satisfy them in a physical, materialistic way. That's why the Jews kept on complaining about the man. They wanted spaghetti, you know. They wanted something that they can sink their teeth in. Something that has a, like a, you know, a solid, you know, something. And the man was this very, very spiritual, refined food. Yes, it had old tastes, but it wasn't like digging into a steak. It didn't have that, that, that substance. So that was a certain depriving and a certain affliction. And through that deprivation and affliction, they, they, they were open to receive. They weren't full. They had bitl, that nullification. Now just coming out of Mitzrayim, when you're steeped in, in materialism, even though in Egypt, you know, they weren't living a wealthy life, they lived a life of suffering, but, you know, even as slaves, and they were very poor, they made themselves nice burritos, you know. They, they, they had their... I was, in, I, was, I was in Mexico a long time ago, and uh, a couple of years ago, and we were going to an area, and I saw such poverty, such poverty. The people were happy. They stood outside. They looked like they almost lived like in tents. Run down shacks. That music playing with Spanish, Mexican music. Like a thousand children running around outside barefoot. Uh, it's like the poverty is unbelievable. No carriages. Everybody schlepping the kids like this, like that. But they're sitting and they have the grill. And they're making fish tacos or whatever they're making. And they're so happy. I don't see the Americans being so happy. And they're happy. They're living. You see, you can be poor and still, uh, still uh, enjoy your material, material life. This that Hasidus speaks about, the materialistic enjoyment doesn't only mean someone you know, living in a mansion in Beverly Hills and has a five-star chef cooking for him fancy meals. A person could be a baltaiva with his little bit of bread and peanut butter or jelly, whatever it is that he has. A person could be in... The man was, however, a different story. The man, by its very definition, didn't allow you indulgence. It didn't have that quality to it. It was a very refined kind of a food. So what it did to them was, was that after eating man for 40 years, they were refined and they were in a bitlediga state. And now Moshe said, you're ready to receive the love and the fear. And the Altareb is going to explain that this really is also this love and fear from above this great vision from above that enables you to experience love and fear in the highest level is something that is opposed, that is, um, that is transmitted and uh, placed upon us and given to us every year Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah and the 10 days from Rosh Hashanah through, really from Rosh Hashanah through Sukkis, through Simchas Torah is the time when God is channeling much higher love and fear into our neshamas. A gift from above. It's on a level way above anything before. And that love and fear that comes from above and is channeled from God down, that love and fear that's channeled from above into our neshama on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur elevates our service to Hashem to levels that are beyond, beyond anything Levels that are beyond, beyond anything that, that, that we can achieve on our own. But he says, just like, just like the Yidden, uh, just like uh, the Midbar, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I can't give you that 
until you hollow yourself out a little bit and you become a vessel, so too he's going to explain that in the 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, it requires that we minimize in our physical indulgences. Not because, and he says, he brings it's recommended that people fast. But he says not fasting a whole day. Because when you fast a whole day, you feel good you fasted. So you fast, and then you break the fast before you can even tap yourself on the shoulder that you had a fast. So you don't even have that. The main thing is not the fast. The main thing is you don't come in front of God with a stuffed stomach and with, a, and with an inflated belly. That's it. Because an inflated belly, which Mayana is making for us over here, is contradicting the love and the fear coming from above. It's gonna, it, it, it doesn't go, it, it's not going to go. Okay, now we're ready to learn. Okay. So, to understand, this is, the idea, this is the general idea of the Mimer. The, the awesomeness of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, how God come clo- comes close to us during the high holidays, during Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and Sukkot, both in awe and fear. He instills, downloads, literally downloads into our Neshama a much higher capacity for love and to fear. We get a, we get a, we get a, we get a Dechilo Rechimu upgrade. You know, we all, we all see this all the time. All our apps that we have on our phone, we always see a little a thing on the top, a notice that an, an upgrade is available. Download the upgrade. Every year, God is downloading an upgrade to our Jewishness. He's upgrading our love and a fear, which are much higher love and a fear. Love and fear. But in order to be able to have that love and that fear, you need to be a vessel for it. And the vessel is to empty ourselves out a little bit and not come in front of God with a full stomach. That's basically what he's going to explain. So that's why when Hashem... That's why, that's why it's better to eat before the Maimah begins. That's why he says that the same, is with the, the same idea is Moshe Rabbeinu says to the Jewish people. You've seen, you have vision, experienced everything. But that's, that's your vision and your experience to become a vessel for the vision which God is going to show you. And the love and the fear from comes that, and, and the fear that comes from above, for that, you are not ready till the end of the 40 years. After Hashem has schlepped you around the desert and broken your ego and, 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 de- and deflated the, the belly a little bit. And now you're ready to receive that light. That's the gist of the discourse. So now let's read it inside. So now to understand all the above, in Exhibit says in the Pasuk, that Avram Avinu planted an Eshel in Be'er Shava. And he called out over there, in the name of God, Avram, our patriarch, our first father, planted an Eshel, and he called out in the name of Hashem. An Eshel is a tree, or according to another opinion, it is an inn in which he fed people. And he taught them about Hashem. He called out in the name of God, but the Pasik says he called out Kael Olam, the God of the world. He, he, he publicized that God is the God of the world. However, the interesting thing is, grammatically, it should have said, Hashem. He called out in the name of God, Kael Ha'olam, the God of the world. Kael Olam is strange, God world. B'Shem Hashem, Kelolam, God world. 
And the answer is, that's exactly the message that Avram Avinu was calling out. Avram was a revolutionary. And his revolutionary idea was that it is not a creation with a God that created the creation, that's the boss of the creation. That people knew without Avram Avinu. People were not idiots. They believed, they knew that there was a supreme power that jump-started the whole thing. And that creation is managed and controlled and directed by a God who created it all. They knew about that. But they felt that the world has, to some degree, its own independence. It has its own something. And therefore, we can deal with God later. But right now, I'm taking care of myself. I'm a somebody. I'm somebody important. I have, I have my life. And in the back of my mind, I know there's a God somewhere that one day, you know, my, I might have to answer to, but that's it. So God is like a distant entity. Avram Avinu was crying out, Kel Olam. There's no world that is created by God. There's one thing, God world. The world is nothing but Elokus, nothing but divinity. And therefore God has to be, God has to be intimately involved in every, imminently rather, very, 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 very present in every aspect of your life because that's the truth. There's no worldliness other than God. The entire, everything of creation. This is really what we spoke about on Monday too, that in Parnassah, it's not like your keli, like God gives the success into your keli that you do, but you're making a keli. You know, the keli itself has no other content. It's all to share on Monday night. The keli itself is no other content but for the divinity of it, the godliness of it. And same over here, Kale Olam, that the world is totally nullified to God, and if our eyes would see things properly, we wouldn't even see the world. It's canceled in this infinite power of Hashem that's everywhere. And that was Avram's declaration. Therefore, as a result of such a philosophy, when you have such a philosophy, intellectually, and you have that cognition of your mind, so, what kind of, so that fills you also into your emotional realm. That your excitement is only about God because there's nothing else to be excited about. He's the only reality. So all your love is to God. All your fear is to God. All your drive, passion is to Hashem. And that's Avram Avinu. He had nothing else in his life that had any significance. Even when it came to the most personal things like his own life or it came to his life of his child, there was no such a thing as child other than God being that power in child. And if God asks for a sacrifice of that child, since God is the reality of his child, he can't have his child without God. Of course he's going to sacrifice his child. Is that thing? There's, not, there's nothing in his life that's not permeated with the MS of the Eberster. And it fills him to the point which it fills every thought, every speech, and every action. He was, he was obsessed. He was obsessed with God. And when people met, met him, the, those who loved sitting with him and learning from him, and there are those that said, oh, there he goes again. <laughs> you couldn't have a conversation with him where it wasn't like, sometimes a person gets hooked on something, and then, and then, and then like, they keep on talking about it, and then you meet them, and they go, oh, man. So with Avram Avinu, it, was like it wasn't a thing that the discussion was about anything else. Because God permeated his existence and his reality from head to toe in every aspect and that's what he declared to the world Kale Olam 
And he's going to explain now how different that is than the common, common notion of what people believed in then and what people still believe in today. Even religious kind of, we say, observant people still are lacking this idea of Kel Olam. You have a certain day in the year, which is your day of worship, maybe the day of the week, but God remains segregated to certain times and certain places, and the rest of the time is my space, my time, my life, my, my everything. And I'm entitled to it. And it begins with a misconception intellectually, from a misconception, from a, from a constru- from misconstrued reality, from a distorted reality. And when you have a distorted reality, then obviously there is a distortion in one, in, then everything is distorted. Misplaced emotions and misplaced actions and a completely um, misguided, false life. But Avram wants to teach the world Kel Olam. Now there's one being, Avram Avinu, who's calling out Kel Olam. He had a few students who were trying to absorb his message and live with that reality. And some of them maybe got it to a certain degree. And then Avram passed it on to his children and it became the Jewish people. But we struggle as well with this. Because even though we know somehow Enod Movado does nothing but God, but we know how difficult it is. We know how real the world becomes to us and how distant God becomes many times in the day. Many moments, many areas in our life we're completely devoid of anything godly and holy. We forget about Hashem while we're eating. We forget about Hashem while we're doing other stuff. Because now I'm like in my own space. And that's... But Avram Avinu is going to win. His MS is one day going to be the truth of the entire global, of the entire, of the entire universe, the entire world. Everybody's going to see it the way Avram saw it. When is that? That's when Mashiach comes. That's when Bayoim, and the Alter Rebbe says, that's the meaning of Bayom Ahu. On that day, finally everybody's going to see it the way Avram saw it. Yia Hashem Echad Ushmo Echad. When God will be Echad and His name will be Echad, what that means is that even in the space of the world, it will be perceived the MS and the truth, how Kael Olam, God is the world. That's going to be when Mashiach comes. Who makes it be? From Avram's MS, how does it become the global truth? How does this become the global truth? That all, all of the world recognizes and experiences this? That's the link. That's Avram's descendants. That's the work of the Jewish people through Torah and mitzvahs in which we change the very dynamics of the world, enabling the world to be able to receive this MS and this truth. To live in the MS of Kale Olam, that the creation is nothing other than Kale than God Himself. Okay, that's the idea that he develops at the beginning. Let's see, the Hinexiv, because it says in the Pasuk, Ramal Kogoyim. Nations, the, the, the verse says, Ramal Kogoyim Hashem, God is exalted upon the nations. And then it, meaning the nations also believe in God. There's another Pasuk. We say it, Mila who doesn't fear you? Melech Hagoyim, Hagoyim, God is the, the king over the nations as well. Melech Hagoyim, who doesn't fear God? Everybody has a fear. The Gam Oiv Dikechavim, and even the, the pagans, 
who served idols also believed in a god, in God, besides their idol. They believe that this is a miniature god. Why? Why do you need a, why do you need a miniature god? Because this god is, is, more, is closer to my world, and he obviously if he's just a little god, I can bribe him and you know, I can be in good terms with him. The big, huge super god, he's distant and he's far. He's in charge over you know, the gods above, who they in, tr- in truth are in charge over lower gods, and eventually I have my little, my little god in my, in my backyard, and uh, that's the way it is. So what they did was they distanced and they pushed Hashem away. In other words, what nature was very real. Very real. In today's day, it's the same thing. It's science. The little god that people worship is science. It's basically believing in the forces of nature, that this is what it is not seeing the deeper truth that behind every force of nature is, is its entire power is only the force of the Ein Sof that's in it. And it is, there's nothing else there. It's not like there's something else in it. Nothing else but it. Then God is very imminent. So even if someone is, let's say they're, 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 a person is a believer, you know, an average, an average person, Jews really have Avram Avinu's vision, even though not consciously. Let's say a non-Jew, a religious non-Jew, a devout Christian, let's say. But he's also a learned person and believes in science. Let's say he's able to reconcile science with, with, uh, with his faith. He's able to reconcile. But still, what you're doing is you're creating a distance. In other words, there's the world, there's the realm, there's the, the, the order of the way things work. Certain rules and regulations that are, that's just, that's just a system that just is. And as I mentioned, and then there is a big God who created the system. And whenever he wants, a devout Christian believes in miracles. Believe in miracles. They pray to God and they pray for miracles. What does it mean? The great and awesome God could come and tweak nature if he wants to interfere and get, and get in. So then where is God? He's a distant entity. And then I'm living in my space. In my, this is my... And I'm sure that... that and basically what happens with God is that God becomes an entity to turn to when I'm in trouble. When I'm in trouble and I need help, so then I turn to my God to, for, for assistance, to help me to be there. And maybe... I want to live a good life as a good human being. So maybe I should give, because God has given me all this blessing, I should maybe devout some of my resources to God, but then I'm being a very nice person. Then I'm being a very generous, kind, and noble person, and God owes me everything for me be doing Him a favor and tithing or doing so-and-so and being... So what's going on? Even that kind of a religion, that's very good. There's like nothing better than that in a Gentile. It's like perfect, it's beautiful. But you're still, you're, still, you're still living in what? You're living in your own reality, in your own space. And a locus, an abish, there is, is, a, is, a distant, is a distant MS. But that's not what Avram Avinu preached. Avram said, Kael Oilam. God is everything, and there is no you other than Hashem. Everything has to be. It's not like, 
And like a Jew says, what can I give you? I can't even give you anything because you're everything. The only time I'm giving you something is just giving you something really means to me, as a Jew, you know, what it really means to, to the MS of a Jew, is it means I am conceding to the truth that you're everything. And whatever I'm not giving you is a lie. See, I'm living in distortion. So there are moments that I'm sober and I'm acknowledging MS, and I know that sometimes I become intoxicated. But as a Jew, I know the MS, that Kale Oilam, there's no space devoid from him. There's no reality other than him. So that's what they, it says, They also, oh, that's already, when I mentioned the guy, I mentioned the good Gentile, a very good Gentile. Then there are those who don't want God to mess in their life at all. And Hashem is even more distant and more remote. And then there are those so far that deny God completely. So that they, can, they don't even have to have God in the back of their mind at all. Live in a complete godless, and as a result of that, egocentric existence. So these are various different levels of explaining in Hasidus, that God is the God of gods. But I'm also a God. Like it says, He's proving that even the, even the, the idol worshippers also acknowledge that there is a God. As it says, from the, when the sun rises in the east, until where it sets on the west, which means across the entire world from east to west, God my name is great. People know me, God says. But because they know me doesn't mean they invite me into their reality. Ah, as he says, and they are in a state of pirud. Liyos pirud meaning in a state of separation. Liyos bechenas yesh for them to be in a state of yesh, to be in a state of somethingness. V'davar bifnei atzmai. And they are a thing onto their own. They 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 feel their themselves as something of sub of of importance or some a reality on their own. And therefore, as we said earlier. I have my life. I want to stay in good terms with God. I'm going to send them a check once in a while. I'm going to, I'm going to support my church. So then God, you know, will, will, will take care of me. But basically my life is, is an existence for me. Vavram and Avram fights that. And Avram is standing and crying out, Hashem in the name of God. God, the world. What does that mean? It's a God world. The world is God. It's not God world. There's no one. That's God world. It's all one. And not the God of the world. That the world is a substance and an entity unto its own. And he enlivens them. That God is the power of the world. It's not so. But rather, the entire substance of everything is only Elokus, is only Hashem. And he brings the, this idea to understand this. How the world can be nothing other than the substance, than, than the divinity that's creating it. So he says, Just like the name of a person. Just like a person's name is not from the person's essence. 
Your name is not your essence. And we learn a lot of times in Hasidus that a name is something that um, you don't even need if you, if you don't have to communicate with anybody else. If you would be a living alone on the planet, you wouldn't need a name. Name is only ident- to identify someone from everyone else. So a name is considered external. But yet, even though the name is external to the person, you have a deep association with your name. That what? Some of your, your life force, your life force is contained, invests itself in the letters of your name. Why? How do you know that? Well, on the one hand, we say it's not you. But on the other hand, you're very much, you're very much imbued in your name. And how is that known? Because when someone calls you by the name, you turn around. Which means they're almost like they're poking you by poking your name. And you turn around with like your entire being. Because in those letters of your name is you. So even though the name is not you, yet you imbue your entire energy in your name. Not your entire energy, but you put who you are into your name. And then, what really is those... And then, let's think about it. And, though, and that, let's say you have a unique name. It's hard for us to imagine that when we have a name like everybody has. Let's say we have a very unique name, that we're the only person who has that name. Rumpelstiltskin. Anybody know the story of Rumpelstiltskin? Right? So he had, a, he had a really... Okay, so he had his name. Anyway, so that, you got your name. That's uh, well, It's unique. Now, is there anything else to the letters of your name but for the person who's called in that name? In other words, is there any other content to it, to a name, other than it's the name of this being? So you got these letters. The letters are not you, as we said earlier. If you're, if you're living yourself, you don't even need a name. The only reason you need a name is so that others should call you. But you do invest yourself in your name. But now let's take a look for a second. Do these letters of the name, now you'll say because, you see, if my name is Chaim, or my name is Yankel, or my name is, Mo, my name is Moshe, the letters Moshe have significance whether, whether I'm alive or not, whether I'm in those, whether anybody knows that I'm identified with that name or not. Moshe is still Moshe because you got another you got another million people named Moshe, or Michael or whatever any name. So therefore, it's not it's not it's not like if I leave it, it's nothing. But if your name is Rumpelstiltskin, then then that's its entire right. Meaning, if you created a new name for yourself, a name whatever that name is, and and it uniquely identifies you. Without you, there's nothing there. So what's the muscle? What am I trying to say over here? What is the, what I think what the Altadeb is saying over here is even though there's more to you than your name, much more to you than your name, yet as a result of you investing in yourself in your name, there is nothing more to your name other than you. In other words, to your name... You're everything to that name. Without, without you, there is no name. Ain't, ain't clum. There is nothing. 
I can't, I can't say you're nothing else but your name, but I could say there's nothing else to the name but you. So then we say the same thing with the world and God. We can't say that the, that the world is God. Because God is not defined by the world. God is infinitely bigger and endlessly higher than the world. But we could say that there's nothing more to the world than God. Same like there's, same like there's nothing more to your name, to the letters of your name other than you. There's nothing more to the worlds than the divine energy that's in it. Because the worlds are like Hashem's name. Let's read inside. Just like the name of a person. It's not of the person. Is enclosed in the letters of your name. We see when a person is called with his name. The person is awakened. The same is also the name Avaya. The shame Avaya enclothes itself in all the worlds. Veheim rak levushim utfeilem elav. And they are just... See, you can get a little confusing over here. The re- you have to be careful. But how does people know? So you have to make sure. You're only... What is it? All of it? Ah, because we people had... All right, because because there was in the kitchen there's there's flesh and people are eating that. So, okay, but I have to know. Okay. Kemoi kain shem avaya baruchu mislabish teich kal almen. Oh, so what's the connection over here? So let's understand this. Just like the relationship of 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 a person to his name. Just like the relationship of a person to his name, so too is the relationship of God's name to the creation. It's a little hard muscle to get over here because we, we, we in, 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 as referring to the person with his name, the name is the thing that is the garment. The name is the garment. The person is enclosing himself into his name. Not his entire self, but his power is inside his name. In what? In the letters of his name. Now in the nimshal, in the, in, the, in the thing that he's, in the metaphor, when he's comparing it to, I'm sorry, that's the metaphor. Now in the thing that we're comparing it to, which is God and the world, the name, Hashem himself is not at all invested in the world. God himself is infinitely transcends the world. The name of God is invested in the world. So the world, to the name of Hashem, the world, the objects, the sky, the sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the earth, and everything that's there, the clouds, everything that's there, to the name of God, Hashem's name is invested in it, and the entire content of them is just, those, is just the name of God that's enlivening them. So the same relationship there is from a name to a person, the same relationship the creations have to the name. Or as the Tzemach Tzedek kind of puts it, 
A name of a person is only a ray of you. It's not you. It's only a ray of you. But yet, there's nothing other to the name. It's a ray of you and that's all. The ray is the entire power of the name, but it's not you. The same is with the world. The world is, everything in the world is only a ray of God's name. And God's name itself is only a ray of Him. So really what happens? Everything is canceled. Everything is not. The name of Avaya. Is enclosed in all worlds. And they are just garments. And tuffle and nullified to him. And it's completely one. Totally one. Just like we said before, a letters of a person's name is only a garment to the chayas. And there's nothing else there but, but that energy. And this is keil olam. Now the problem is, this is the, as we said earlier, this is the reality that Avram Avinu saw, experienced, and he lived his own life in this, in this truth. But for the rest of the world, it's not that way. Because if this would be our reality, then there wouldn't be anything in our life that would be outside of divine, of, 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 of holiness. There wouldn't be anything in our life that would have any other content but serving God. And since we do know that there are hours and months and who knows how much time and aspects of our life that are not included in the unity of God, which means they're not 100% devoted to the service of Hashem. So much is just for our own sake is a sign that we're not appreciating this truth. But... Like it says in the Pasuk, a day will come when it will be Yiyah. You see, the Alter Rebbe is going to say, What does it mean God will be one and His name will be one? So it's explained in many places that God is one. What's it mean? God is one and His name is one. We know now. When we say Shema, we say there is two forms of declaring Hashem's oneness. The first form of declaration of Hashem's oneness is Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad. The second declaration of Hashem's oneness is the next verse. Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuso La'olam Va'ed. Blessed is the name of His glorious kingdom forever. In Zohar it says that Baruch Shem Kavod Vod is really a translation of Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekein Hashem Achad is God's unity. Baruch Shem Kavod Machuso, bless, it's not just a blessing, is another form of declaring God's unity. It's only that Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekein Hashem Achad is a higher declaration, meaning it's a stronger pronunciation of God's unity. It's called the higher unity. And Baruch Shem Kavod Machusol Olam Va'ed is called the lower unity. What does it mean, the lower unity? The unity is not so sharp and strong. God's exclusivity and his and his oneness is not so sharp and so strikingly um, um, powerful. It's a little blurrier. It's a little softer. It's a little. 
It's in a way that it doesn't cancel us completely. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad is an extreme declaration. Now why do we say it? Because it's the truth of truths. And it's the truth that is experienced in, the, in our soul source, in the world of Atzilus, in the realms up there, that truth is seen. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad to the point where nothing exists, only God. And that's the message of Aleph Ches Dalit. Ches, the, Ches represents up and down, the seven heavens. Ches is, is eight. Ches is the seven heavens and the earth. That's eight. Dalit is the four directions. It's all canceled in the Aleph. Aleph is God. Everything is nullified in God's life. Aleph means alufo shel olam, the power of the world. Everything is, that's Shema Yisrael. Baruch Shem Kavayim Machusaloyim Vod says, listen here. I'm not living, I don't really perceive that truth. The Kohen Gadol in Yom Kippur, when he stood in the Holy of Holies, he saw, experienced Hashem Echad. I don't. I do feel my own needs, my own desires, my own reality. But I am willing to submit myself to God's kingship and surrender and do things the way He wants, even though I'm in conflict with Him, even though I don't. So that's what it means, Yehuda Tata, the lower unity. I recognize God's supremacy, His power, His control, and even this, that He is... He is controlling every aspect of my life and He is the power behind everything in my life but I still feel me this Him controlling me and I'm willing to surrender myself to do His will that's much softer it's not destroying the person it's not nullifying one completely so that's why the Zohar says that the, but, but the question is for most people Baruch Shem Kavayid Machuso Olam Va'ed is only Baruch Shem Kavod Machusali Olam Vayed is only a blessing. It's not, it's the response of the Shvatim. It's only a blessing. It's not, it's not a declaration of unity. Where do you see unity? Blessed is the name of the, of the heavenly kingdom forever. Where do you have unity in the word? So the Zohar says, wait one second. The Zohar says that the word Echad is the same word as Vaed. Vaed is Echad. It's just exchanged letters. Instead of the aleph of echad, you get a vav. The vav and the aleph exchange. Because they're both vowels. Aleph and vav are vowels, so one can exchange with the other. The ches exchanges with an ayin, because they're both guttural letters. Echad, ayin, vo'ed. Ayin and the dalit are exchangeable letters. And the dalit also changes. The last letter is a dalit and a dalit. It also changes, because in the word echad, the Dalit is a large Dalit. And in the word Va'ed, it's a regular sized Dalit. That means it's not the same level. So the Va'ed is really Echad. But it's translated. So if, it's, if I take uh, Shakespeare um, and, I tra- and I read it in Spanish or I read it in, uh, I don't know, in any other language, it doesn't have the same... It doesn't have that same crystal, you know, power. Or I read, uh, reach a, uh, I read an, a, a beautiful French poem, and I read it in another language. A lot gets lost in the translation. When you take echad, and you translate it into va'ed, you lose a lot in the translation. But that's the best we can live with. So up there in heaven, it's echad. Down here in the lower worlds, primarily in the physical world, it's va'ed 
not echad. And when it's va'ed down here, not echad, in the Jewish world, it's va'ed, which is a translation of echad. What happens in the non-Jewish world? It becomes not even echad. It's not even va'ed. It becomes rebellion. And it becomes how far rebellion? It becomes, until it can become complete denial of God and complete atheism. That's because it's not echad. If echad of God would be pronounced down here, if we can bring down the echad and the clear echad in a real, real way, then there would never be able to be anybody denying God in the world because God's truth would be so pronounced and so strong. So you'll ask a question, we are saying echad every day. Yeah, what we're really saying is that up there, we know somewhere deep, deep in our soul we know echad. But our experience is more that we live in, that we aspire to, is, a, is more of a va'ed unity, not an echad unity. But precisely because we are like kind of not declaring God in the sharpest, clearest unity, in the sharpest, clearest way that affects the rest of the world. It's like we know, we all know that when, when this guy, when a tzaddik does a little sin that causes uh, someone down the road to do a much bigger sin. It, it, it works that way. Because we're not living in the echad, we say, on that day, Hashem echad, ushmo echad. What does that mean? That just like in Shema Yisrael, it's Echad, in Baruch Shem, which is the name, Baruch Shem Kavod, the name, it's going to be Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuso Laolam Echad, not Laolam Vaed. The Vav Ayin Dalid is going to switch back into the, into the Echad. It's going to be Echad above and it's going to be Echad below. Like we say Friday night by Davini. Just like everything is unified up there, so too, down here, below they also become unified, in the secret of Echad. That down here will be the same Echad like up there. And that's the meaning that it's going to be by Yoimahu Yiyah Hashem Echad Echad. That in the name realm as well, in the worlds too, will be sensed God's Echad like it's sensed up there will be pronounced down here. The Alter Rebbe, however, says in order for this to happen, that the same truth that's up there to be pro- pronounced down here, similar to Avram Avinu, him, he, he was able to see this Echad. He lived in the Echad, he didn't live in the Va'ed. Because Avram Avinu, when you're living in Va'ed, then you can't say Kel Olam, you say Kel Ha'olam. Because you have a world, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuso, it's God's kingship. What's kingship? There is a king, and there are subjects. Not everything is the king. Everything is surrendered to the king. The king doesn't own everything. The king has his property. You have your property. You have your land. You have to give taxes to the king. You have to give, you have to surrender, you have to be in service. If the king needs you in the army, he has a right to call you up to, for, to be there. Whatever, he has a right to act because he's your boss. But he's not your everything. He doesn't cancel you completely. So that's Malchus. That's not Kael Olam. Avram Avinu is declaring, hey guys, there's nothing but God. Kael Olam. That Olam is Kael. Kael is Olam. That MS, that truth, is Avram's truth. That's 
as we said before, that's Hashem Echad. We're living in what? In Shmoi. We're living in a world of Baruch Shem, where the, where the declaration of God's unity is only in a level of Va'ed. Yehuda Tata. When Mashiach will come, it's going to be, as we said before, Hashem Echad, Ushmoi Echad. Now, in order, however, for that to happen, for, not, for things not to change as they to come down into the world, there needs to be a change in God's name. In Shem Havaya, in the Yud Kei By the way, the mimer that we're learning over here is very, very, very con- short and concise in terms of the Alter Rebbe's... It's, it, even for the Alter Rebbe, I mentioned earlier, it was said in the earlier days when he spoke very, with very little words and a lot of fire. The reason I'm adding a lot of explanation over here is taken from the Tzemach Tzedek's mimer which is a long elaboration on, and he fills in the missing blanks of what, what is not, or he adds his commentary on it. So, he, so this is all over there. I'm just sharing some very beautiful ideas which fit into what, what he's saying. In order to make that the echad above should become the echad below, it should both be echad and not... In order for that to happen, God's name has to change. The problem that's causing that up above should be deep, should be absolute unity, and below should be semi-unity, is because Hashem's name is Yud K Vav K, like we spoke about last week. What did we learn last week? What does the Vav do? The Vav translates the 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 the, the Ein Sof that's up there down into the world, into the space of the recipient. That's what we spoke about. The vav brings things down, and when you're bringing things down, you have to you have to you have to always diminish it, because if you don't diminish it, it will overwhelm and destroy. So the vav is always carrying. What's a vav? A vav is always carrying something down. So today's days, it's yud k, and the vav. When the vav goes down, you lose a lot of the power. The yud k is far more potent than the vav k. And a lot of the godliness gets lost. And when the godliness gets lost in the Vav, what happens? Eventually, you, the best you can have down here is a Va'ed and not an Echad. And when you have a Va'ed world, you, what does Va'ed mean? There is a king with his subjects that are surrendered to him. Then you're always going to have the subjects who are not surrendering. See what's going on? If there's no subjects and there's only God, and it's not possible that there should be klipa, there should be unholiness, because it's Hashem's, because it's only God. But if there is already a, a me and Hashem, if I exist other than God, then today I'm surrendered, tomorrow maybe I'm a little less surrendered. And the day after tomorrow, God forbid, I might even decide to reject God completely, and even ignore Him, or do my will over His will. See? That's because, but what's at fault? At fault is one thing. The system is, in a manner, is that instead of a, instead of the yud. Now, oh, see, I mean, let me explain a little better. The problem is that there is a vav instead of a yud. What would be if there is a yud? Why the why is the yud so important? So last week we the yud is chachma. We spoke last week. Yud is the first receiver of the Ein Sof light. Because the, the Yud is exposed directly to the Ein Sof, 
So that's what makes the Yud a tiny dot. It's nullified completely. It's completely lost and canceled in God. Chachma koachma, the power of what? It doesn't feel itself at all. Because it's looking eye to eye into the Ein Sof. How can it have any existence? It's, it's nullified completely. It's, it's a pintale, it's a point. But guess what? Even a point is something. Keser, the crown, is not even a point. We spoke last week, remember we spoke about the koitzei shal yud, the, the thorn? Keser is hinted to in the koitzei shal yud and the thorn on top of the yud, which is not even a point. Because keser, and you, I might ask a question, Keser is infinite light. Chachma is already, we spoke last week, God keeps the entire infinite light back. And he only is projecting a tiny little bit. So how come Chachma is a point? And Keser is not even a point. And the answer is, the closer you are to the Ein, Ein, Ein Sof, to God himself, the more nothing you are. The further you are from Hashem, the more expansive you become, the more you think you're a somebody. In front of God, why is it tzaddik? So, so loving to everybody, and so connected to everybody. And so, and why isn't he judgmental? The answer is because the tzaddik feels so embarrassed in front of Hashem. In other words, he knows, when, when you feel like you're a sinner, then you look at everybody else like bigots, that's one of the reasons that Tzadik can see in everybody only the good because if there's any bad to look at he looks at the bad in himself I, he never sins for a Tzadik the most beautiful service that he serves God in the most beautiful moment is considered a sin because since he realizes what God is the awesomeness of Hashem he recognizes that his, his nothingness and how he's never really fulfilling close to his obligation. So he's humble, chamba humble, chamba humble. And therefore, like everybody else, is amazing. But he is... The closer you are to God, the more nothing you are. Keser is infinitely more powerful than Chachma. But Keser is not even a point. It's so humble, it's not even a point. Chachma has a little tiny bit of self. It's a dot. The Vav is already a whole line. How does the Vav become a whole line? The Vav is much further away from the Ein Sof. The Vav is the Midos. Chachme is the power, is the first attribute. The Vav are the six Midos. Chesed, Gevurah, Teferis. These vessels are already on a much lower level than the, than the vessels of Chabad, especially of Chachma. So therefore the Vav is already far more of a somebody. There is more... Metzias, there's more existence in the Vav. That's why, that's why we say like this, if the Yud would directly give life into the hay, into the latter hay, what's the latter hay? Malchus, that's the creation. If the creations, if the worlds, if the Olamos, if the worlds, the recipients, would receive light directly from the Yud, then we would all be living in Avram Avinu's consciousness. But the problem then would be, there would be no free choice. We would all be so keenly and sharply aware of God, we just wouldn't exist in His light. We would be nullified.
And the purpose of creation could not be realized. Because the Yud would be too, the expression of the Ein Sof in the Yud would just be too overwhelming. So therefore, what does God do? First there is a Yud, and the Yud transmits to a hay, the upper hay, which is the Bina. That does receive the light as it is. And therefore, if there are hypothetically any creations in Bina, in the world of Bina, and there might be millions and millions of creatures, you don't even notice them. That's why that's called Almadis Kasia, the concealed worlds. Because all the worlds that are there are concealed in the light. They don't notice themselves. They're just overwhelmed by the light. All they see is like fish in the ocean. The fish don't notice themselves. They're part of the ocean. You don't see the fish. They're not sticking out. They're just part of this huge thing. Almadiskasya, the worlds in, in Bina are nullified to God. But since God did want a world like we have, where there is free choice, where we do feel ourselves, which that can only be if we're living in a distortion, because if we would see the truth, so God has to kind of meddle with the light. He has to diminish the light. He has to make a big tzimtzum on the light. What happens? Instead of the yud, he turns the yud into a vav. And when the yud is turned into a vav, in other words, you're bringing it down lower and lower and lower, it's already translated. The Ain Sof is already much weaker. And when it's much weaker, it's not as potent, it's not as overwhelming, and therefore it doesn't cancel the creations. It allows us to have far more sense of self. He says an interesting thing. He says, that's why, let's take a look at the letter Vav. The letter Vav is equal six. The letter Yud equals Ten. What's ten? It says Yud is Chachma. So the Yud contains within it all the lower Sephirot, because they're all receiving from Chachma. So the Yud is the first recipient, and it's the source for the hay, it's the source for the Bina, it's the source for the emotions, because from this intellectual awareness will come the emotions. And eventually will lead into what? What's the last Sephirah? Malchus, speech. So the Yud Chachma contains everything. When the Yud is giving to the Vav, when the Yud becomes a Vav, when the Yud is giving to the Vav, most of the Yud is being held back. Only six is left over. What does six mean? Even though six is still the majority of ten. But the six means it's only the six emotions. You don't have the Chabad, the Chachma Binadas is not shining. The Mochen, the intellectual awareness, all of that knowledge is not there anymore. All you have is just emotion without the, without, the, without the reasoning, without the understanding behind it. It's very, very diminished. Like we, need, we, know, we know in a person, um, the intelligence is much richer than the emotions. The emotions are just, are just a very, very weak recipients from the richness of the mind. Even though there is some intelligence that goes into the mind. That's why on the top of the Vav there is a Yud. But it's only the external part of the intelligence that goes into the emotions. The real deep intelligence never goes into the emotions. Remains above. So what Hashem is giving from the Yud into the Vav is only a little bit. He says a very very interesting thing. Chachme and Bina compile. It says when Mashiach will come in the future... 
God will give to the Hashem will give to the tzaddikim three hundred and ten worlds. Hashem is going to give to the tzaddikim in the future shy olamos three hundred and ten worlds. What's the number three hundred and ten? So three hundred and ten is the chachma and bina together is three ten, not gematria. It says in the pasuk kenei chachma. Kenei Bina. Purchase Chachma, purchase Bina. The word Kenei, Kane, Kenei, Kuf Nun Hei is 155. Kenei Chachma, purchase wisdom. Kenei Bina, 155, 155 is the gematria of how much? 310. Right? So Chachmem, which by the way, Chachmem Bina, why the number 310? Because Chachm and Bina are receiving only the lower half of Keser. Keser is 620. See what's going on over here? Keser is 620. Tav Reish Chaf, 620. The lower half of Keser, half of 620 is 310. That's Chachma and Bina together make up 310. When Mashiach will come, the godliness that's in Chachma, that is received by Bina, is going to be revealed to the tzaddikim. And that's the meaning that they're going to have the 310 worlds. Okay? But give, give me a minute now. What's the relationship of Chachma and Bina to the Midos, to the six emotions? So it says like this. A little bit of the Chachma light goes down into the Midos to enliven the Midos. Like we see every emotion... Every emotion is driven by some kind of an intelligence, some kind of an awareness of something. And your mind later feeds and excites and pushes the emotion and drives the emotion. Why do you love so-and-so? Because so-and-so. So there is a because, there is a reasoning. So some of the juice, if we might say, some of the vitality and some of the energy of the intelligence goes into the emotion. That's what we said earlier. The vav, which is the emotions, the six, also have a yud. They have some chachma. But how much? So the interesting thing is, he says, that the name of God that is the empowerment of the emotions is the name kale. The name kale is the name of God that empowers the emotions. Because the first emotion, which is the, what's the first emotion? Chesed. And what does the Pasuk say? Chesed kale kol hayoyim. What's the gematria of the word kale? What's the gematria of the word kale? Kale is 31. Keshi, very good. Kale is 31. 31, what's the relationship of 31 to 310? 31 to 3, it's a tenth. That means how much of the light that Chachm is experiencing is transmitted into the emotions, into Chesed? Only a tenth, Maisar, a tenth from the Chachma light is given into Chesed. The whole power of the emotions is only a tenth. It's only from the malchus of Chachma, from the tenth, from the lowest element of Chachma that is illuminating the six emotions. It's only a tenth of it. It's nothing. It's only kale 
a tenth of the Kenei Chachma Kenei Bina, which over there it's 310, over here it's down to 31. So it's dramatically diminished. The life force is dramatically diminished. Because it is so diminished, what happens? Because it is so diminished, the time it gets down into Malchus, into the hay, the receiving from the Vav, which is the worlds, you can't experience anymore Echad. The Echad isn't there. And, it, and you, you, the best you have in experiencing God is Va'ed. Which as we said earlier is a translation. Which Va'ed also is a Vav instead of an Aleph. Not instead of a Yud, but instead of an Aleph. The idea over here is there is a Vav. Vav waters it down. When Mashiach will come, what's going to happen? God's name is not going to be Yudke Vavke. His name is going to be Yudke Yudke. Yiyeh is two times Yudke. Why? It, what's going to happen is that just like in the concealed worlds, in Atzilus, in the concealed worlds, the revelation of God is so powerful and so potent. It's coming directly from the Yud, which the Yud is the representing total humility and total nullification. So too, even in Malchus, even in the revealed world, even as we get down into, into the more external creation, God's light is going to have... Because, let's put it this way. As a result of our Torah and mitzvahs that we've done, in which we puncture holes, all we're busy doing is puncturing holes in the klippa. In our ego, not what I want, not what I want, what God wants. Boom, 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 boom. We walk around the world and puncture the holes. Finally, it will be able to reveal itself. The worlds are going to be ready to receive the light coming directly from the Yud instead of it being diminished into a Vav. So it's going to be by Yomahu Yiyah, the Yudke, Yudke, Malchus is going to receive from on the same level of Bina. Not any less than that. And that's the idea. When, oh, and how do we accomplish that? How do we accomplish, how do we change that when Mashiach comes, it will be instead of the what it is now, which causes that it should be echad and vo'ed, not echad and echad. How do we change that? We said before, it's through our mitzvah observance. All of Torah and mitzvahs is to do one thing, to draw down the yudke into the vavke. We say it when we say the shem yichud. Yachta shem yudke bivavke. To be mamshich the yudke in the vavke. In other words, that bitl, that powerful emes that shines in the yudke should illuminate the vav and the hay as well. And that's what mitzvah means. Mitzvah is the last letters of mitzvah is vav hey. Mitzvah vav ke. The first letters is yud ke. It's mem tzadik. But we know there's a system in Aleph base called at bash. At bash means you take the first letter of the Aleph base and switch it with the last letter. Aleph tav, base, base shin, gimel kuf. So mitzvah, mitzvah, is Yud, because Mem, Yud is the tenth letter. 
Mem is, the, is ten letters going from the end. From tough going back, you get a mem. So yud and mem change. Hey is the fifth letter from the beginning. Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet, Hey. Tzaddik is the fifth letter from the back. So yudke is really, mitzvah is really yudke vavke. When you tell a Jew to do a mitzvah, what you're really telling him is to do a yudke vavke. But hold it. Isn't it supposed to be yudke yudke? The answer is like this. No, what you're trying to do is that in the space of vavke, you want to bring in the yudke. In, the, in other words, in Chachmem Bina Abvir, in the supernal Atzilus world, it's Yudke. The problem is that as you're translating it in, to the outside, more to the creation, Vavke, is, Vavke represents the emotions and the speech. Speech is where, what is being communicated? Speech is communication. That's, what is being communicated? What is being spoken to the world? Only Vavke, not Yudke. But through mitzvahs, what we're doing is we're taking the, the yudke and, and sliding it in secretly. You see, if we, would, if, we, if we would tell the world what we're doing, everybody would run away. So we can't do it this way. We can't, we can't in other words, we have to, this has to be the top, top secret. That we're changing reality by making everybody incapable one day of having free choice. That's what we're really doing. We're stealing free choice away from the world. When Mashiach comes, no one is going to have free choice anymore. Everybody's going to be overwhelmed with God's light. So the world would, would, would completely, they have, they have a kind of an idea that that's what we've been doing. That's what we've been wanting to do. That's why they've been, you know, you know, persecuting the Jewish people all this time because they know we have something up our sleeve. Something crucial. We're taking away <laughs> that, that sense of independence from them. That's why it's not, we don't say, we're not saying, that's why it's not open do a yutke vavke. We say do a mitzvah. We're hiding the yutke and the mem tzaddik just to camouflage it, that you don't see what's really happening. What really is happening is you're bringing the yutke into the vavke, and then the vavke becomes on the same level like yutke. And when the vavke is, is on the same level as yutke, then there's no room for klipa. Then it's not possible to have anybody who's living in a state of pirud, in a state of separation. So that's what he says over here. I'm sorry, these were, this was like four pages of Tzemach Tzedek in, in this little three lines here. Like it says, On this day he will be Hashem Echad Echad. is Beis Pamim Yudke. Two times Yudke. It won't be in a state of vavke. Ki avav, what the vav does, u'pchenas hamshacha. It's the vav is a hamshacha. Sheyachol lehistal shalamata. It's enabling us to be able to bring it down below. At sheyuchaliyos until it allows for that there should be yesh v'davar b'fnei atzmai. The world should be a something unto its own. Ella, that's what the vavke does. When Mashiach comes, we're gonna re- we're, we have rewired the system. Everything should be yudke. Lamata Below will be like the same like it is above. Oh, by the way, the Tzemach Tzedek adds. Whoa, it's Gavaldi. He adds one more thing over here. He says Bayoim Hahu. When you're saying Bayoim Hahu, what's the 
Bayaimahu, that also indicates the same thing. Ha hu has two hays. Ha hu. So what does that mean? That the lower hay is going to be on the same level like the higher hay. Okay, but not just that. He says, take the word ha hu. What does ha hu mean? That day. Now hu generally is referring to binas called hu. Why is it called hu? Because who means him? It's something that's hidden. Something that's in front of you, you don't say him. You say, zeh, this. Who means, like we say, bayoim hazeh. Bayoim who means, on that day, means the day is hidden. So bina is called almadis kasya, the concealed world. It's a level that's very concealed, unrevealed, high up there. That's the, that's the, the hidden world, that's who. But he says, you have a contradiction over here. Ha, whenever you say a hey, whenever there's a hey in front of a word, it comes to identify it. Like with Rashi says, when it says um, on a, on a, on a, on a uh, uh, it says uh, har, it means a mountain. You don't know which mountain. If it says ha-har, the mountain, the the means the one you know already. So if we have Bayoimahu, we have an inherent contradiction. Hahu means the, that one which you do know. But who means hidden, that which is concealed. So how can it be both concealed and revealed? How does it fit? And the answer is, that's the whole point. There is the concealed letter, the, the level. There's the who, there's the higher hey. And then there is the revealed reality, the lower world. And the two are not synchronized. The truth in the concealed world is not the same truth that there is in the revealed world. But when Mashiach comes, you will even them up. So bayoim ha-hu, that even in the revealed reality where we can point with our finger, it will be in the same, will have the same bittle and the same nullification that there is in the, in the hidden most sublime realms of Bina. So the two hays are now going to match up. And it's going to be, as we said, bayoim ha-hu, the bittel, and the reason is, let's understand something. The yud and the vav, the vav becoming a yud is referring to the transmission from above. God's light will be shining with the same strength in the revealed world like it's shining in the concealed world. The vav is going to be as potent as the yud, so it's not going to be a vav anymore. It's going to be a yud, yud. Good. That's in terms of God shining. In terms of the world's receiving, that's the hey. How do we receive it? Because God will be fully revealed, what is going to happen? There is going to be absolute and total, what's going to happen? There is going to be absolute and total bittal. So the, that means that the lower hey, which is malchus, which is generally more disconnected, is going to be in the same bittle like the upper hay. So the yud and the vav is, is, is seeing it, how it is from God's hashba. And the two hays are looking at it as how is it being received. Till now, until Mashiach comes, here everyone, until Mashiach comes, since the mash, there is a difference. Till Mashiach comes, there is a difference. In the higher realm where there is a yud, there is a power, then there is, there is a special hay. There is the hay of Bina receiving. 
And there, there's, it's receiving from the Yud and a totally bottle. Then we go down many notches. There is a Vav. The light is diminished. So the recipient is a lower hay, and the lower hay is not on the same level as the higher hay. Much lower. In other words, there's much less bittel there. And the world, as we said, becomes a yesh, becomes a metzias, becomes an entity. When Mashiach comes, since the vav is going to be upgraded to the yud, so therefore the hay is going to come along as well. That the rece- As it's received in the world, it's going to be, like it says, like mother, like daughter. Bina is the mother, daughter is Malchus. They're both going to be together on the same level. Almadis Galia, the revealed world, will even out with Almadis Kasia. How do we accomplish that? So as we said earlier here, and the Mimer leaves out all of this, how does this accomplish that? How can we get one day to that truth, to Kale Olam, that there's nothing but God? How do we get there? We have to prepare the world for that. So, he's, so we said before, mitzvahs, Mitzvahs, prayer, Kriya Shema. Tzamech Tzedek explains how everything in Yiddishkeit is to be mamshich the mochin into the Midas. Mamshich to draw down the emes of Chabad, of the Chachma Bin Adas, into the world. The world should receive the Chabad. That's why, by the way, he says, I'm saying too much. That's why, by the way, he says, in Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, he says, in order to receive Echad, it should be Echad. You have to have three names of Avaya. Yud, you have to have three names. Hashem, Elokeinu, Hashem. Why three? Why three? Because we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Elokeinu, Hashem. And only then Echad. What it means is, because in order to have Echad, you have to be Mamshech to Orin Sof, the infinite light, into Chachmah. The infinite light, that's Havaya. You have to be Mamshech, the infinite light, into Bina, that's Elokeinu. And you have to be manchuk the infinite light into das, the three mochin. When you have your your mochin, your chabad is filled with ain't sof light, then you can live in echad, and that's what kriyshma is about. Torah is also the same thing. Torah is the mochin, is the chabad, and when you learn Torah, you're connecting the Torah to the world. Your manchuk right the bittel that there is in the mochin into the midas. Everything in Yiddishkeit evolves around this, this Indian. That's our work. Chas v'shalom, if we're not doing that work, and we're doing the opposite, and here's the, here's the key. It was the, the, sta- the state of godly awareness in the world was given in our hands. As a Jew, we can either elevate the consciousness of all of humanity, through our Torah and mitzvah's observance, or we can cause God to become more distant, we can diminish or... Um, what's the opposite of elevate? Delevate. What's the opposite of elevate? What? Huh? Descent. to like doesn't... What? Abigate is to destroy. I'm talking about push down. You can either elevate the, you know, the classroom or you can denigrate. Denigrating. We can denigrate the consciousness of the world. 
as a Jew, if we're living egotistically, and we're not increasing our bittel from day to day, more bittel, more nullification, more surrender, more observance, deeper observance, but instead inflating our ego, what does that do? That causes God to be pushed away more and more and more distant, farther away. if it says in the Pasuk, Someone who is an nargin, nargin means someone who's a, who's a, who's a hate monger, someone who speaks Lush and Hara, Mafrid Aleph, he's separating the Aleph. So the Tzemach Tzedek explains what does he mean, Mafrid Aleph. Simply it means he's just pushing God away. But he says, no, no, no. Aleph, Aleph is the word Pele. Aleph is Aleph Lamed Pe. The word Pele. Everyone, I need, a, I, I'm not looking here. I need, I need, the, I need the minds here. The word Aleph is the word Pele with a Vav. Pele is the light of God that's in Chachman Bina. Because Chachman Bina is receiving from the Ainsof. That's why it's a Pele, it's a wonder. Chachma is called Aalefcha Chachma, Aalefcha Bina. I will teach you Chachma. Aleph, Pele. So in Chachman Bina, in the Mochen, there is Pele. Vinargin, if, if, if we learn Torah and mitzvahs, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, we're connecting the Pele to the Vav. Which means the Vav K, the worlds, are receiving the Mochen as well. The Bittel, the nullification that there is in the Mochen, is being translated and transmitted and downloaded into the creation, into the world. If Chas V'Shalom we're doing the opposite of Torah and mitzvahs, we're pursuing our own, own, whatever, uh, ego's lives without surrender to the Abishter, what is it causing? It's causing the Mochen, the Chabad, to be separated from the Midois. That the Bittel, that the, that the Yudke should not permeate the Vavke. And that's the meaning that Venargan Mafrid, he's separating Aluf. Aluf is the Vav that's in the Aluf is the, is the Midos from receiving the Mochen from the Pele. Pele is the Mochen. And that's the idea of a nargin mafrit aleph, ayin zayachadish gimel, uberabiz bereshis vishpechav. And then it also says another pasuk, letaiva. So that's someone who's, be, that's a person, that's one type of ego. Someone who creates constantly fighting, speaking lashon hara, causing, causing strife between people. If you surrender to God, you don't do that. You do that if you're, if, if, if you're, if chas v'shalom, a person is. Is, 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 you know, is a, is a, is a Matthias, is a Yash. Now another form of Yash is Lataiva Yavakish Nifrad. Lataiva, for his own, who is the one who's constantly looking to satiate his Taiva? Taiva means his lusts or his desire. Nifrad, someone who's Bepirud, someone who's in a state of separation from God. Sharp words over here. When a person puts his desires in the pleasures of the world, when a person pursues, in other words, he puts his desire in pursuing the materialistic pleasures of the world, or in victory, or in victory. What does that mean? That he has to win. He's, he's constantly feeling that he has to beat his opponent, to be right. A person always needs to be right. What's that? That's again ego. So ego can manifest itself in many ways. A person can ego because of a pleasure seeker. All day long he's busy. He's looking for any kind of thing that's going to 
give him a little bit of pleasure. Not thinking about God, he's thinking about himself. Someone who always has to be right, also because he takes himself too seriously. Or rather bad nifrad That causes separation. The person is causing that God cannot manifest in his space because he's claiming he is. He doesn't let God in. As the Alter Rebbe says somewhere else, that's the meaning of God says, don't make chal, simply means don't make a desecration of my name, the deeper meaning. Don't create a halal, a space that I'm not there. Don't create a void. Don't block me. You're creating a place where I'm not there. So if chas v'shalom there has been, and we all know that what? And we all know that there has been um, moments in our lives that we fall into this. And as a result of that, whether we're pursuing our tithes, whether we have to be right, when our ego is kicking very strong, thereby causing a distancing between Hashem and the world. So there has to be in a time that we can fix this and turn around and get back into the mode of being the channelers and the champions of Hashem Echad, of bringing God's emes down into the world. So behold, it says, that God will shine His face with us all the time. That Hashem shines it. Now, when we are in a relationship where we're living in, in this MS, where our aspirations and our desires are to serve Hashem, which means we're living like Avram Avinu, we're living kind of in the ways of Avram Avinu, in a calling out Kaloilam, we're in a living our lives not for ourselves. But we're living for a higher, we're living for a higher for a higher cause. Then God's, then then Hashem gives us life from His inner. Hashem creates the entire universe. Hashem creates the realms of kedusha and sustains them, and Hashem creates and sustains the realms of klipa as well. He supports them. But there's a major difference in the manner in which God supports. And many times it looks like Hashem even gives more to the klipa. As the age-old question, how come tzaddikim suffer and the wicked prosper? Big question. We find that. The answer is, not answering that question why that is, but the difference between Kedusha and klipa is that in Kedusha, when God feeds the, Kedu, uh, the realms of Kedusha, he's feeding it with all, he's feeding with all of his love and all of his care. He's giving it with his countenance, with his face. He desires to give them life because they're realizing his dream, his desire. When Hashem is giving klipa, Hashem does it because he has to, because for whatever reason, you know, to, to, for the world to realize their purpose, there is room, there needs to be the antis so that there can be meaning in anything we do, but God hates them. And because He hates them, even though He sustains them, He sustains them in a way that He doesn't want to look at them. He wants to just hear, take it, he throws it like you're throwing something to someone that you dislike. The marshal I usually give is like you, the enthusiasm you have when you pay your, your taxes. <laughs> very, I think very few Americans uh, are so are so um, 
no, not eager. I'm looking for the other word. They're so um, they're so um, patriotic that they can't wait for the tax day that they can go and pay uh, Uncle Sam all the money that he's asking, right? So you do it, and it's the, you know you pay the bill reluctantly. You don't want to, but you do it anyways because you have to. You don't want to get into trouble. So and then there's a difference. Then there is the way you give and you spend money on your child's wedding. It's with joy, with happiness. That's where you want to give. Because this is, this is, this is, with, 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 so Piddish, as he says, So it says, God will illuminate his face with us. Because God has no interest in creation other than those who live like Avram Avinu. That's what God wants. He wants Kale Olam. He wants his MS to be revealed. So wherever, whoever is living in that, they're receiving what's called the aras panim, the continents of Hashem. Like a person who gives to his friend. Hamiti is Actually, there's a lot of milichiks there. Most of the stuff that he put out, I'm just saying, yeah. Marshal is like a marshal. Adam a person who gives to his close friend. Aza Dover, anything who noisen ba'ayin yafe gives it with a good eye, v'ratzen atoyv and with a great desire, v'tzarhav v'panav and his face is smiling, meroiv oyrav v'simcha from the abundant light and joy. Mashenkin l'saynoi when one is giving to their enemies noisen then he gives it command deshadi baser kasvoi like you throw it over your shoulder and you don't want to look at him balkarchay against your will. V'zer yor Hashem panav elecha. God will illuminate his face to you, that Hashem will give his chayest By the way, what this means, the Tzemach Tzedek says, just in short, if Hashem is giving you from his face, what it really means is you're receiving from the Yud. Our avoda is to receive from the Yud. We don't want to receive from the Vav. See, the Vav, what the Vav is doing is the Vav is, is distance. God is like giving to an outsider, distancing. Yud means he's revealing it as it is. That's how he's giving it to us. And that's why the Yud is called the Ares Panim. Because we said before, what's the Yud? The Yud is the Mochin, and the Vav is the Midos. A person's face is the seat of what? A person's face is the seat of his Mochin, of his intellect. The body, the torso, is where the, where the emotions are. But the face is really where the intelligence is. If we're saying God will give you from His face, what does it mean? It means that Hashem is transmitting to you from the Yud. When is Hashem transmitting from you from, to the, from the Yud? When you're willing to live in a life of Bittal. Those who are willing to accept the MS of the... What's the Yud? What, what did we say earlier? Why is the Yud so tiny and so small? Because it's bottle. So those that are willing to live in Bittal can receive the hashpah from the Abishter's face. Those who want to receive, but they want to still, God, chas live independent, so I can take the hashpah from Hashem, and then live my life as I want, just to enjoy, to enjoy myself, and not in surrender, not in God's truth. And that's receiving from the vav. Vav is taking it far, far away. How far is a vav going down? Far, far, far. So those that are receiving at a distance are receiving from above. It's not receiving from Yoyer Hashem Panov, from the face of the Yevishter. Yidin are supposed to receive the faith from the face 
And as a result of that, bring God's face down. Or panecha aleinu nesa. Bring the Abish this light of his face. Kiba or panecha nasatalanu. Teiras chayim va'avas chesed. With the, you, you've given us everything with the light of your countenance, and that's our avoda to fill the world with the panemius of the of the Abishta's light, and thereby bring the yud into the in, into the creation. Um, to the klipa, he does it from the back. But there is a there is a requirement. When, the Jewish people are meant to receive from God's face. Itanu with us. But the Alter Rebbe gives a deep meaning over here. It doesn't only mean to us. It doesn't say, Ya'er Panov. There is a Pasuk that says, Ya'er Panov Eilecha. There's a, in in Birches Kohanim we say, Ya'er Panov Eilecha. Vichuneka. So we say Eilecha to you. But there's another Pasuk that says, Ya'er Panov Itanu with us. What does with us mean? God is saying like this, I'm going to give you from my face, with my deepest desire, but it's only with you. I want to see your face. I want to see you cleaving to me with your deepest desire. And when you cleave to me, when your relationship with me is that you're not giving me your back, but you're giving me your front, what does that mean? That your passion and your fervor and your drive and your excitement is in Yiddishkeit. Because it's possible for a Jew to be a, a Shulchan Aruch Jew. It's possible for a Jew to be mamish, living his life in accordance to all the laws of, of Allah and, 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 and still be giving God, God his back. Because that's not his pleasure, his or her pleasure. Their pleasure is in the free time that they have that they don't have to do a mitzvah. In the free time, what gives you more pleasure? The 10% you're giving to tzedakah or the 90% you're keeping for yourself? If you're living in Yoyer Hashem Panavei then the 10% you're giving to the duck or you're giving 20% or whatever it is that you're giving, that's your entire enjoyment. That's why you work. You can do that. You can't give away everything because you have to make a living. So you have no choice and you're told that you have to keep something to yourself. But where is your pleasure in that? You go to work and you set aside time to study. So a person can, there's two ways. It can be that my enjoyment and my entire, this, I, love my, I love going to work, I can't wait to leave the shul. Was then I have no choice. I'm, I'm obligated. It says the first question they ask a person when he comes into the into the world to come, when he after his 120, they ask him or the second question. The first question is if you did business honestly, and the second question is, did you did you learn did you set times for Torah study? That's the second question. So the person says I have no choice. I have to set time for Torah study, but that's not where my passion is. My passion I'd much rather sit at home and watch television. Or play my uh, my my uh, Xbox game. I don't know, whatever kind of thing. That's where I get my pleasure. That's where I get my enjoyment. It's only that what I have no choice. That's called giving God your back. So we say like this: say two things. It's not just enough what you do. In order to receive from God's face, it requires a relationship. Al Tareb is saying something very deep over here. To receive, it's not just Yiddishkeit, it's Hasidish Yiddishkeit, it's Hasidic Yiddishkeit. It's Yiddishkeit where you want the relationship, where your passion and your fervor and your desire is the connection to Hashem. That's what you're desiring, that's your pleasure. When your face is towards God, then God's face is towards the person. At the meaning of Itanu with you, Davka. 
פירש כשאנחנו גם כן מבחינת אורז פונים, we are also with our אורז פונים, כמו שכוסף, like it says, כמיים הפונים לפונים, like the face, like the water, like, the, like a face reflected in water, just like when you're looking into water, the face that you showed to the water, that's the exact same face that's going to uh, reflect back. So Shlomo HaMelech says, so to the heart of man to man. Simply it means in human relationships, if you really love someone, you're going to elicit, you're going to bring, you're going to pull back love from that person as well. They're going to love you as well. But Adam and Adam also refers to the human mortal man and God. Because we're called Adam. The Jewish people are particularly have the name called Adam. And God is also called Adam. As it says that on the throne, there was an image of an Adam. If our face to God, which means if, if our Yiddishkeit is coming from our Pneumius, from our, what we really desire, then God too desires from the deepest, from His deepest place, a relationship with the person. Cain leva Adam la'adam. Pidisha Adam atachten, the lower man below, who knesses Yisrael, which is the Jewish people. Like it says, I've given my, my flock, the flock of my Adam, Atem, you're considered man. Atem, Kruyim, Adam, you're called man. So when our leva Adam, the same face we show the face that we shown to the supernal man that's on the throne. So that very same face is reflected. So what does it mean? God showing His face, we understand what it means, God is showing His face. God showing His face means that He has a pleasure and an enjoyment in sustaining us and enlivening us. God has a deep pleasure in sustaining us and enlivening us. What does it mean that we have to show Hashem our face? So over here the Alter Rebbe says such powerful words. And what does it mean, the shining of our countenance by Yid? It means that you have simcha as being a Jew. You're not just doing your Yiddishkeit. And what's your joy in being a, in being a Jew? Not that you're scoring points. Not that you're being such a good person and you have a big Ganeiden. Your joy is Yismach Yisrael Ba'isav. The Jew, the Jew rejoices in his maker. In his relationship with God. That's your source of simcha. Just like God rejoices. God can't believe how, how, how unbelievably he lucked out that he got such an awesome people like us. Really. Hashem is like crazy about us. He thinks it's like, you know, the, the, the greatest thing that ever happened to him. How do you know that? It says in the Pesach, The Abishta rejoices with us. Like it says, And from the joy that you rejoiced in him, you've called him Yisrael the Yeshurin. You call the Jewish people Yisrael because you rejoice in him. The Abishta has simcha with the Jewish people. So the same is also the Jew, and the same is also the Jew rejoices with this awesome God that he's got. It's it's this pasuk. This week in the parsha it says, "Hashem hamircha hayom." You have designated God to be your God, and God has designated you to be His people. But the whole thing has to be with joy. And this is the joy of God. From God's greatness that has no end. But here's where the Alter Rebbe adds in a phenomenal thing. What does it mean, the joy? The joy has to be so palpable that it, whenever you're in a rotten mood, whenever things are becoming really bad, 
Whenever you're experiencing a serious downer, and here the Alter Rebbe is going to demand that even if it's for legitimate reasons, sadly there are times when things in life, life is not going easy, and there are things that are becoming extremely difficult and harsh and crushing, and they put us into a very, very difficult situation, and we feel very hard, very broken, and very down. So just a little thought, and here's what the Alter Rebbe, I have to read the words better than anything I can say. As he gives an example of a person, that his faith lights up, from such light, imagine someone sitting really depressed and down. Down. And they feel lonely and isolated, and things have been, they lost their job, the world's caving in on them. Their mom is sitting in the deep depression. And suddenly, they're. Uh, a dear, dear friend that they've lost contact with for whatever reason 10 years ago suddenly walks in. I don't know, they're sitting by a coffee bean. And the person walks in, they see them, and they suddenly, they spring to life. Their face lights up with joy, with happiness. They embrace. Suddenly, the person forgets, at least for a moment, all their tsaris and everything. They spring to life. They're so happy they met this. This is a dear friend. You meant so much to me. You forget completely. on your pain, and sadness. that you have. because of the joy and the pleasure from seeing the face of the one you love so much. Hear these beautiful words. When a person will remember, will suddenly remember God, that God is the true one who loves you, and He loves you more than anybody else loves you. And God is shining His face to you. And a person should contemplate how awesome this God is. He fills all worlds. And he encompasses all worlds. And all before him is not. He's, end, he's infinitely beyond all worlds. He's so beyond it and so much greater than it that the worlds are nothing. You can't even, they're not even, it's not even something to say that the worlds are canceled. It's nothing. And you realize that this awesome God loves him to pieces. He's crazy about you. And is giving you your pun of. He's giving you, with, he's shining his face to you. Yishkach al atzmoi legamri. This meditation can make you forget about yourself completely. In other words, afilu yeshloi tsar, even if you have pain, memilidi alma from worldly things, even if you're experiencing really hardship and real difficulty, you forget about it completely because you're so basimcha. Yishkach atzar mitmeyasimcha basem. He will forget his pain because of his joy that he has in God. Suddenly he forgot about it. Now he's singing and dancing with the closeness of Hashem. Like it says, Who is to me in heavens? Anything else but you I don't desire, God, not on the earth. Levatel to nullify. Every desire and every longing. Aside for the longing for God, for Hashem Achad, for God Himself. That's called being face to face. God becomes the joy of your life. 
and everything else becomes insignificant to the point that chas v'shalem, even if things are not going good, you're, you're just walking around with such simcha. Because, because oh, like the Tzemach Tzedek brings a mashal, I remembered. He gives a mashal of a person, benigayah to this, he says, imagine if you lost a couple of pennies. Not any pennies. Let's say you lost more than pennies. Let's say you lost a $10 bill. Or you lost $100. And it's troublesome and it bothers you. But while you're looking for the $100, you came across a lottery ticket that was someone dropped. You went and you checked it out and you realized you won a million dollars. So you lost 100 and you made a million on the same day. Is there going to be any memory? Now it's frustrating to lose $100. Now a millionaire who's already a millionaire, a millionaire loses $100, it upsets him. But if on the day that you discovered and you made a million dollars, you also lost $100, the pain about the loss of the $100 becomes completely canceled in the joy and in the happiness that you made a, you made a million dollars. So the Rebbe says, if your person suddenly realizes, if it kicks in, if, they, if it suddenly, if, 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 if the, the realization that the Abishter, the, the God of, the, of all of existence, the creator of everything, and who before him all is not, is your best friend, and is rejoicing with you, how can there be anything in your life that's upsetting you? Even if it's a serious problem, but this is all nothing. It's, 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 it's pennies that you've lost in compared to, to this awesome thing that God is rejoicing in me. When you live in that, that's called face to face. Hashem's joy is you, and your joy is God, is Hashem. Obviously, besides if you're Abzusha of Anapali, or Rabbi Levi Yitzhak or Baditchev or Tzadikim like this, to live in this awareness and this consciousness, pun in pun, and there's nothing in the world that makes you happy. No, it's, only, it's only the relationship with Hashem. To live in that MS and that truth all year long is almost impossible. But this is the time of the year that every Jew can experience it. That's what the month of Elul is all about. That's what the king in the field is all about. And particularly he's going to say that's what Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot is all about. This is the time of year that we go back to being face to face. Like during the year, somehow, even though we do Torah and Mitzvahs, it has v'shalom becomes back to back. Yiddishkeit is we pay our dues, we pay our membership. Sometimes better, sometimes worse. Sometimes we're not even doing what we're supposed to. Even when we do what we're supposed to, it's not with them. This is the time of closeness, the time of turning face to face. As he says, um, And the reason is, because on Rosh Hashanah, God makes that turn. In other words, the reason why we're able to do it on Rosh Hashanah more than any other time, because, you know, there's a certain point, a couple, a couple that has pretty, a good marriage. They got into a fight for something. And, uh, you know, and they're not happy with each other. And they're upset at each other. They're driving somewhere. They got into a fight. So suddenly there's silence. They're not talking to each other. This one, he's not talking to her. She's not talking to him. And they're sitting in silence. And they're driving. It's a long trip to San Francisco. They're sitting three hours and they're not talking. They're both upset. They're admonished. And there's like this coldness, this discomfort. At a certain point, one is going to turn to the other and say something. 
That's what happens in Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, God does make the move. He, you know, he's getting lonely up there. He doesn't want to sit like that forever. And he knows so that a certain, every Rosh Hashanah, the Abish does make that turn. It's better if we, we have a month of El before that to, to try to reach out to him. But even an El, he comes out into the field. So, And in this mind, the Alter Rebbe says, the Abish really makes that move in Rosh Hashanah. But it requires immediately that we also turn our attention to him. If we ignore it, then we don't, we don't cash into this. Let's see. Let's see. God sits down on the throne of mercy. And the Tzemach Tzedek explains the whole Kabbalah of it, which I didn't even learn. I just, that by sitting down on the throne of mercy means that he's turning his face. He's, he's, and that's when it says... His left hand is beneath my head. That means Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, even though Rosh Hashanah, God is acting, it's a very, very important idea, and it's what Hasidus did to Rosh Hashanah. That even though Rosh Hashanah was always a frightening day, but the underlying current of Rosh Hashanah is deep love. Even though externally it's smoyla, it's God's left hand. Well, the Pasuk says in Shir Hashirim, His left hand is beneath my head. Now my head is referring to Rosh Hashanah. But it's also referring to our head. Hashem is beneath our head. What does it mean? He's cuddling our head. It's true, it's with his left hand, which means there is a certain element of fear that is the day of judgment and the like, but it's still drawing us close. Why does he extend his left hand? Why does he? Because he needs to shake us up. Because as long as we're, if we wouldn't have a day of judgment, uh, then, you know, it, it, uh, we wouldn't know that our life and, and, and that all our life and well being is in his hands. So then we continue, God forbid, in this, in the sense of, um, in the sense of of uh, autonomy, autonomousness, and and independence. We feel like we run our lives, and God forbid, can't have, God can't have a relationship with us. So therefore, He has to remind us by by, by giving us a shackle. And what's the shake? You know, the fact that we know, everything is in His hands. So it gives us a little. You know, he shakes up our stability. We suddenly feel rocky. And when we feel a little rocky, we become vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, we get in touch with our deeper self. And, but that's the reason why he's tough. He just wants to renew the relationship. So that's, you see that it's, that it's Hashem's hand under my head. It's the beginning of coming close. Until we finally come to Yom Kippur, and then Simchas Torah, it's Yom Kippur is already love. Yom Kippur, the, the judgment, the harshness isn't there. It's a pure day of forgiveness, of love, of closeness. And then it reaches its climax, an explosion of, of intense love, Simchas Torah. That's when the love is like pouring like endlessly. So that's the time of the Adas Panim. We always need, every year we need a realignment. And on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, but it's not just a realignment, because God's face is deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. That means when we say that Hashem is excited about us and loves us from the from His very being, that very when we say very being has many levels as well. Every year Rosh Hashanah, God gets deeper into the relationship more than the year before. It always goes higher. The Alter Rebbe says it in Tanya that in Rosh Hashanah every year there's mayor Hashem enjoys his creation with a deeper love every Rosh Hashanah. It's an amazing statement the Alter Rebbe says in time. How do you know? Because people say, maybe there were years that we did better. 
mashma. No, that that's a kind of that's kind of that's part of it's it's part of the mechanics of the system that every year Hashem will get deeper in His connection to the world. But that what does that require? That we get deeper every year as well. In other words, this year Rosh Hashanah cannot be the same like last year Rosh Hashanah. It has to come from a deeper omek in our nefesh. Our yearning to God has to come from a nikuda atzmis that's even deeper than it was the year before, higher and higher. And these But here's the thing: in addition to this love, right? You feel deep and close. You also feel very embarrassed because in aseres yemei when you're feeling the connection, you realize how how um, negligent and how uncaring we were, and how unsensitive we were. Here you have God who's begging. See, God, God is face-to-face only with us, Rosh Hashanah, to you and through Sukkot. It's not because of Him. It's because of us. Because we turn our back, so that causes. But on His part, He would want to be with us like this all the time. And He is with us all the time like this. But when we turn our backs, it causes, at least from our perspective, that He turns His back as well. So what happens on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? You start feeling a little ashamed of yourself. Here I am, with you, loving you, caring you all the time, and where are you? You're, you're just completely this. You're embarrassed in front of Hashem. Who? Look what the embarrassment is. It's not the embarrassment. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed from what? You're loving me so much. Asherhu is barach mekaravay son. He is bringing us close. He is showing such love. His face is radiating to us with such love. And we are with the epitome of distance. Because of the sins that have separated, we don't feel how much love there has been there. Rashi says when the Jews went out of Mitzrayim, they got punished. Amalek came to bite them. You know why? Because when they came to a place and there was no water, they complained and they said, Hayesh Hashem Bekarbeinu, is God amongst us or not? And God said, you got to be kidding. I took you out of Egypt. I split the sea. I carried you on my shoulder. I bring you manfa. I mean, I'm doing miracles and miracles upon you every second. And you're doubting if I'm there? And you wonder if God is with you? So the, so the father pushes away the son and lets the come, lets the dog come and bite him. And when the dog, the dog bites him, what does the child do? He cre- screams, "Father!" Ah, then you'll know where I am. Are you doubting that I'm there? Is what he's really saying. The Abister so is there for us all the time with such love, and when we're acting as if you know in the distance. So that's the shame that comes upon a person on the Sarasimetshuva. like it says, "Boishti v'nechlamti." I feel ashamed. I'm embarrassed to, to look up to you. And he's going to prove the idea that even when we're dirty and we're smelly and we have a horrible stench from the sins that we do, God is still there. Even in the time when you're going to be in the land of your enemies, I have not, God says, I have not been disgusted by you. And I have not, simply it means to destroy us completely. But the, the, the Zayar says, means the word, 
Why did God not reject the Jewish people even in the worst of the worst? Even when you're, when you're in the land of your enemies, which means you're acting like, like, like your enemies, you're acting like a goy, you're acting like a Gentile, you've lost yourself and, and reached the point of almost total assimilation in, the un, in, the non, right, in a non-Jewish way of life. Yet God says, you know what, I still, why? Because my kala is there. Who's the kala? The shechina, which means you have a peace. Every Jew has, a, has the kala. God's bride is there because the shechina, which means every nisham is part of the shechina. Because there's a part of me and you, I can't abandon you. It's like a person had his bride and he loves her very much. And for some way, I don't know why or what or when, she ended up in being in, 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 getting, getting trapped in, in, the, in, the, in, in, in a, in a uh, tannery. A tannery is where they make, um, they work out hides, they make leather. And it has a horrible stench. But this guy, even though he's a very big nobleman, and very sensitive, and in his palace he has always the finest, you know, the, the candles burning that give like the really good a, raw, a good a good scent and a good smell everywhere. Even the tiniest little annoys him. Right? People are super sensitive in smell, even though it always has to, has to have like this good scent. But yet, when his when he fell in love with this girl and he loves her so much. And she's in the tannery, he'll go down to the tannery because of his burning desire for her. Even if he has to put up with the stench. And that's what God says. God says, you know what, guys? You stink, but I love you. That's what the Abishta says. Even when it stinks, I love you. And because of but 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 we don't have to be proud of stinking. That's the thing. And when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, we have to ask ourselves, you know, is it right to have a stench? Shouldn't I dress in my finest and be beautiful for the Ebershter if he loves me so much? As it says, because of his in- intense love to her, she appears more than that. God loves her so much that the tannery that stinks becomes like a a, a market where they sell perfumes. Because of his love to her, his fanatical love to her, when he goes into the tannery and it stinks so bad, to him it's like it's like the perfume. Which really means, like we say in Davening, forgive us and take and the sins themselves become merits. I think that, that seems like he's hinting to that. And this is what we're asking God. Forgive us. Forgive us doesn't only mean, so forgive us means, <laughs> see, two things. It doesn't mean that it's okay. Because this, he loves so much that, he, that, that therefore even though it stinks, he, he, he can tolerate it as if it would be a good smell. But we have to say to the Ebishter, Machalanu, forgive us, and I don't want to bring this smell to you. So please wash away that. Help us wash Help us wash away the stench. Help us wash away the stench. That's what we're asking God. We're asking for forgiveness. Take away the smell. Clean me up. That I shouldn't have that smell. And how will God remove that smell? When the Abishtu will, will, when Hashem will sprinkle upon the person purifying waters, to wash off that 
horrible stench, Shebeburski of the tannery smell. Wash away the stench of the tannery. The Indian Mayim what does it mean purifying waters? And Yud it's God's mercy that washes over a person. It's called a river of perfume. Rivers of afarsimin. Afarsimin is a certain type of good smell. These are rivers. And these rivers, you know, the mercy that God has on the neshama, that itself serves as a, as a flow that washes the smell away. And they come from a place, Hanikra Tmira the Chol Tmirin. That was because of Hashem's. But here's the thing. Of course, we have to evoke the mercy. We have to call for it. Our recognition of how much we smell, and how bad the stench is, and how terrible it is, and we cry because of it, evokes Hashem's mercy, and 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 He delivers these purifying waters. These purifying waters come from the deepest, deepest. Inner, inner, innermost part of Hashem's of Hashem, most private, so to speak, innermost element of Him, higher than mitzvahs. Mitzvahs is also Hashem's desire, but mitzvahs is Hashem's external desire. Mitzvahs is called Hashem's ratzayin. This is called raiva the chol raivin, the will of all wills. When we evoke mercy, this evokes within Hashem a desire. A, a desire for a relationship, a desire for connection to us from a deeper place than his enjoyment of our Torah and mitzvahs. And therefore it can wash away all the blemishes that there is in Torah and mitzvahs. Raiva the kol raivin, the will of all wills. Pinish l'mashal, as he gives an example, makar ha-mayam. The mayon, there is the mayon. The mayon, the spring. And then there is, you have to dig to the source of the spring. The spring is Torah and mitzvahs. God generally has a relationship with us. Then there is the source of the spring, which only comes through tshuva, through the evoking of of of, of through the evoking of rachmim rabim. Now the hidden source of it you can't even see. What you can only see is the rivers that come, not from where it's coming from. So too, God Himself is called the one that is hidden from all. Hidden behind all, from all things that are hidden. Shahayud gimol midos arachmim, the thirteen attributes of mercy, hanim shachem imeno, they're drawn from God Himself, from the deepest point in Hashem. So when you say on Yom Kippur, Hashem Hashem kelrachum v'chanun, when we say this Matzah Shabbos by Slichus, Hashem Hashem kelrachum v'chanun, we keep on evoking the thirteen attributes of mercy. Imagine those rivers of compassion, the rivers of purifying waters that wash away all the schmutz. By what? But first we have to come to a recognition that we smell. And therefore it says, that's why God is called Yoshev al Kisei Rachamim. He sits down on the throne of Rachamim, which is Shuraiva the Kol Raivin. It's the will of all wills. But here's the thing. Just like we want to evoke the will of all wills, to wash away the schmutz, the smell, the stench. He says, it, it, this too is generated by the person below. Every single Jew also has, if God has the will of all wills, we too also have the will of all wills. 
That's the deepest point to the heart. It's higher than knowledge. And this is called Yechida. And this is what needs to awaken during Aser We need to cry out to the Yebishter from our deepest point of our soul. And that's the sound of the shofar. The shofar is meant to stir the, the inner core of a Yid's Neshama. So a Yid realizes that beyond all desires that I have, my, there's one desire that, I, that, has, that is higher than any explanation. It's a pure, powerful desire for bonding with Hashem. And this is what we say. We're asking Hashem that please save me. David HaMelech says, redeem my soul from the door, from the dogs. It means that sometimes we get so, we get so um, entrenched in our pursuits for materialistic things that we also run after the material things from a place that is, from a place that doesn't make any sense, from an irrational place. Simple words. We're saying that every Jew has a desire for God that's beyond reason, beyond understanding, beyond seichel. We have that, the problem is that we also have that sometimes in worldly things. It's like one thing when a person has a connection, but it has some kind of a reason. You know, I can explain it. Sometimes it becomes irrational, like an addiction. When one has an addiction, it means it went beyond all reason. The person sees that this addiction, this whatever it is, is destroying his or her life. The person feels and senses it. But for some reason, the person feels that this addiction is destroying his or her life. But for some reason, they can't, they can't change it because they're so stuck. It's, it's without seichel. And that chas v'shalom means that one's yechida, or not mamish yechida, but the transit, the, the, got stuck in the dog and we're saying to God save my yechida from the dog that there should be this that, that, that my will of all wills should never get distorted my, we all know our external will our external desires get convoluted and get misguided and get, re, get directed towards the wrong things we all know that but we hope that once we get a little when we peel away the you know you can take an apple and or a banana, or whatever it is, and you want to eat it in the little brown part, you say, you don't want that. So you, you peel away. You get a little under, and that part at least is nice and fresh. Sometimes it's like even browner, so you have to go even deeper. Sometimes you have to cut away half of it. But eventually you'll get to a place that's nice and clean and fruity and whatever. It doesn't have that mushy look. So we're hoping within our desire that our desires get mur- murky and yucky, and think, but we hope that we can peel away just a layer and find a more innocent, purer self that's really deep inside. I want you, Hashem. So the Rebbe is saying that we're, that's what we're davening. We're saying the Yat Kelim. At least that I should find that save my Yechida from the deepest place in me. That that should not get into the wrong place in Klipa. and if it is, it's never true. It's not really what it's desire. So to extract it. One's desire and rots and minyanez for matters of this world, uledavek and to cleave bedveka with cleaving vachasheka and longing rots and shall call out the will of all wills. Lashem echad levaday to God Himself. 
And that calls forth, that's called Tamira the Kol Tamirin, the hidden that is hidden. The hidden Pintala of the Yid, the Kudas Levavai, the Pintala of the Yid. What does that evoke? That evokes also the deepest point, the hidden Mayon, the hidden place of the, the spring that brings forth Tamira the Kol Tamirin, the will of all wills. And once that will of all wills is evoked, it's the rivers of, the, of mercy that flow and get rid of the stench. And then we can refresh our relationship. And there's nothing there in between. And this pure ava, pure love between the Jew and God. And Yair Hashem panavi tanusela. And the Abishter's face is shining to us. And as a result of that, we can accomplish what we need to accomplish in making, as we spoke earlier, bayoimahu yiyeh, that God's, Hashem's MS should shine across the world, as we spoke earlier. How do you evoke the deepest point in the heart? The shofar evokes this Because here's the thing, we all have it, but it can be asleep. was in a state of sleep. Every Jew sometimes falls asleep, which means this deepest desire of the heart is not active. What is shofar all about? Waking up from the sleep. It's waking up the deep yechida from its sleep, that it should be alarmed by the sound of the shofar, and it should come into your consciousness. Now through this, every day during Aseris Yemei we draw down the 13 attributes of mercy, which are these rivers, which come now from their source. The Daila Maven, it is enough to those who understand. And these are called purifying waters. It washes off the bad stench. And this is the meaning also we say, The sages say that when in the Beis Migdash, they blew with trumpets and they blew with shofar. So on Rosh Hashanah it says they blew long sounds with the shofar and short sounds with the trumpet. Trumpet had a shorter sound, but the shofars went longer. The deeper meaning is, since the shofar wakes up in the Jew, the koiches makifim, the deeper elements, the inner yechida of the yid, and as a result of that, we said earlier, what does it do? It evokes up there what's called tamira, the kol tamira, the hidden. It, it calls forth the 13 attributes of mercy, which the 13 attributes of mercy come from what's called Erech Anpin. comes from Keser, from the crown. That's what it says, Shofar Marich. The Shofar is long. It means the Shofar reaches into Erech Anpin, into the, into the Keser, into the will of all wills, and from there stimulates a flow. Arichu de Anpin. Derech Klau. Okay. Derech Prat. That's in general. In Aseris Yemei in general, you revoke, you turn back face to face by Ubederach Prat, and more particularly, Bechol Yoyim Aseris Yemei Every day of Aseris Yemei Tshuva, Choyzer Panim Bepanim, you're returning face to face, Echod Min Yut You're directing one of your ten Svirois, Shem Chabad Umidoisov, which is Chabad and your Midois. Every day you're extracting one of your Midois to turn to Hashem. You have ten of them. Now the sages have said, Dirshu Hashem, now the Altareb is going to add something. Even though he said, he puts it upon us, that you have to do this, 
call out. But yet, as I mentioned earlier, the Aseris Yemei Tshuva on their own, God is, it's easy to do it. In other words, the rest of the year, everybody, you can always do this. Dig deep in yourself, pull out your Yechida, do Tshuva from the... But in Aseris Yemei Tshuva, the time itself is set, is prone, is, is, is prepared for this kind of a, a thing. Why? Because God in general comes much closer to us. As the Pasuk says, Dear Shu Hashem Matzai, seek God when he is close, Krauhu, call out to him, Be when he's close. Elu, Matzai means when he is to be found. Krauhu, call him, Be when he's close. Elu, Asada Yamim, these are the ten days, Shemein Hashashan, Yom Kippurim, between Hashashan and Yom Kippur. Piddish, what does it mean, Be Yosekarev, when God is close? Keshahu, Bibchenas Ha'odis Panemanal. When God's inner face is shining, when Hashem makes the move, when His left hand is extending beneath our head. Canal, as we said earlier, much easier, it's much easier for us to have our Yisraelus from below, because the Abishter is already, because He is coming closer, it's easier to stir our soul from a deep place. Because we said earlier, kamayim panim al panim. When once when a person shows a loving face to someone, that pulls the other heart. Cain leva adam al adam. Since the adam elyon, the supernal man, is showing his face to us, his love for us, there is this magnetic pull that we can also evoke our hearts with tshuva Hashem. And of course, when we do our tshuva, that causes him to turn even deeper. But there is still first an initiating empowerment. Like it says, the sages say, what do you mean? Call him when he's close. What does he mean? So the sages say, isn't God close all the time? They say, no, these 10 days he's particularly close. In what sense? Sages say, because the rest of the year God is close to the Jewish people only when we call out to him with a minion, with 10 people. But in Aseris Yomei Tshuva, he's close even to the individual. It doesn't have to be a community. It's one person. Every person liyachet. The deeper meaning the Alter Rebbe says it means that that's an aseris yemei God is turning to us from His yachida, from His deepest point, and therefore we have access to bring forth our yachid. Our avoda can come from our yachida shebenefesh, from the singular point within us, from the deepest point. But there's something else over here. It's on something else. It says when God is close. And the, the Alter Rebbe asks in another mimer, when he's close, God is, His glory fills the entire world. What do you mean he, when He's close? I say, He's close. And other times He's not here. Going back to the couple that's in the car on the ride to San Francisco. They set off on the road and they're very happy together. Alter is Gavaldi. Their field is a closeness. They're happy. Then they get into an argument, right? Typically, she's going to blame him for something. He's going to start defending himself. And Fregnish, the head, she's getting even more upset that he doesn't get it. And then what happens? There you go. Now they're not good with each other. Three hours, she didn't go to the back seat. She's still sitting side by side, the same place. But she's looking out of that window, and he's looking out of that window. And that was it. Even though they're sitting. So you see that what you can be very, very close, but when your heart is not open to the other person, it's being you can be very close, but you can be hundred miles away. 
So God is all the time here and even sustaining us and taking it. But is his heart there? The question is, is your heart there? So here is where the Abish stirs and wakes up to us. We can wake up to him. And that's the time that we say when he's close. Now at this opportune time of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, once we come face to face in love, we merit something else. That Hashem now can instill inside of us love and fear from above that we can't achieve ever any time. That's what I understand the mind. But it seems like, again, I doesn't, is that bismanahu at that time, once you already have panim bepanim face to face, then we can be merit to receive Ava Vayira for the whole year. A much higher level. Mekamblim kol nitzutzis me Yisrael. All the sparks of the Jewish people. That means every neshama. Pchenas dechilu rechimu melomayla. We receive a love and a fear from above that is much higher than any other love and fear that we can create. Vuhu pchenas dechilu rechimu el yoynim bi'oid. Which are very, very high love and fear. She'i efshar lahasigal yadei yisarusa dolatata. We cannot arrive, we can't draw down this through any kind of work from... In general, let's understand something. Samach Tzedek explains this. Every time we have love and fear, we daven and we try to evoke our Ava Hashem and Yiras Hashem, God comes down to match our love. That means when we're loving Him, He loves us, and that intensifies our love. That happens all the time. But that kind of love and fear is commensurate we, because of our love, He loves us, so therefore there is a relationship. Even though He's empowering our love with a much higher, we learned this many times in Hasidus, that you daven, in the beginning of davening, if you're really into davening, the beginning of davening, your love and fear of Hashem is going to be yours. At a certain point, it's not you anymore. You're being pulled by something bigger than you. God is pulling you. That's true, and that can happen all year around. That's Isarusa Deliela, that's what? coming as a result of a serusa de latata. It's coming as a result and as a consequence of your arousal from below. But then there are times, there's Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, when God gives us a, a present, when He gifts our soul with such a high love and fear that is way beyond anything that we could, that we could have ever evoked on our own. And it cannot even come as a consequence of our service. Like it says, We say to God, create for me a pure heart. I can't, you, you create it. Something from nothing. It's beyond, create me a new heart. On Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, you can ask for a new heart. Leave a new heart. A heart that loves Hashem. Bar Levav. Bar Lev of, we say, Mi Yala Bahar Hashem, Bar Lev, a clean heart. A pure heart, a creature cannot have on his own. Besarusa delay, with his own isoidetis. It has to be a gift that's given from above. At the time of the Aras upon him, that's when Hashem gives us a present. When you love someone very much, and you're close to them, you buy them a present. Hashem buys us a present. A husband is supposed to buy his wife a gift on the holidays. So we give a gift to Hashem also. We come to the base of Nidosh, we give him a gift. Hashem gives us a present. 
What's the present he gives us? He gives us av of a year, a love and fear that we could have never retained on our own. However, the Alter Rebbe says, even though we can't stimulate it, and here's where the punchline, we go back to the beginning of the Mimer, even though we can't stimulate it, and we can't, we can't create, we, we don't create this love, we can't even do a Sarusa de Latata to evoke it, it has to come, it's a gift, it has to be a gift from above, yet, we, can, we, can, we need to do a preparation for it. It's a difference. We're not stimulating it, but we're preparing for it. Why? Because he cannot give it to us if, if we're not ready. So we need to make ourselves ready to receive the gift. What's going to get in the way of this higher love and fear being transmitted or downloaded into the soul? What's going to get in the way? As he's going to say in a minute, a full stomach. The Alter Rebbe says over here, you need to take yourself a little bit to task. You need to break yourself a little bit. Just why? Because an inflated ego that comes from a from an inflated belly, from a stuffed stomach, doesn't is is blocks this. And that's why in the ten days of tshuva, misanem veloy mashlimim, you fast. But the intention is not to fast. That's why the intention would be fasting, that you've got to have a whole fast. The fasting, the Alta Rebbe says, interesting. Something you learn that, the, that there's, there's a lot of people you fast, and people still fast today, but a lot, especially in the olden days, people, a lot of people, most Jews fasted. But the Alta Rebbe says, it's not for tshuva, it's not the fasts of tshuva. There's a whole deeper meaning to the fast. Because if it would be a fast of tshuva, then you're supposed to finish the fast. Because people fast and didn't finish the fast. The fast is not because of tshuva, it's just, as he says in a minute, it's not considered a fast. It's just to inflict oneself. Why? You should not be with feeling bloated, and a filled stomach. You can't receive a pure heart. When you're eating till you're satiated and you're burping, you can't receive a pure heart. It just doesn't. It's a gatenish tzamen, basically. There has to be a certain edelkeit, a certain refinement. And this is what it says. Atem. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu says to the Jewish people. That what atem reisem. You have seen till now all the miracles, but God has not given you a heart to know until today. We asked the question. First he says, you haven't seen. And now he says, first he says, you did see. And then he says, you haven't seen. Which one is it? Did they see or they did not see? And the answer is like this. Yeah, they had vision before. But that was you seeing. God has not given you vision. That's referring to the love and the fear that comes from above. That you have not received. You're the ones who see. Meaning you're operating on Avavayira and love and fear that comes from your, your vision from below. Through your evoking from below. The Abishter didn't give you. The pure heart that is given from above. That a creation can never reach, can never attain through his own evoking. But now, after 40 years, I can give it to you. The man, the purpose of the man was that the Jewish people for 40 years should live 
in a world where they're not, they're not stuffing their stomach. Because the man was never, was never physically satisfied. It, it nurtured you. It was like eating vitamins. That's what it was. Imagine, imagine eating vitamins all day. That's what man was. But the, yeah, you could imagine taste and get taste. But you couldn't bite into a juicy steak. Couldn't feel a crunch of french fries. Didn't work. This was the man. He, he inflicted you and he hungered you. Through the man and through other inuyim. They merited a higher to her. To receive a pure heart. And that's also an Aseris Yemei Tshuva. Oh, by the way, it says that during the whole time the Jews were in the desert, it's considered being back to back. When they come into Eretz Yisrael, it's called Panem Bepanem. So you see, now, when they're coming face to face, God is going to give you the higher love and fear. Why? Now you, you have a Hachana, you have a preparation. You're not stuffed. And the same as Aseris Yemei Tshuva, we have to prepare ourselves for this great Giloi. And that's why we read this little parsha at the end of Parsha's Kisavai, before Rosh Hashanah, to give us this message. That in order to be receiving, the Abishtu wants to give it to us on Rosh Hashanah, but we have to create a little bit of a, a purification for that. All right. Everyone should have a really good, good week. And we'll see you, Bezus Hashem. Come Matzah Shabbos. It'll be a nice, very beautiful event here, Matzah Shabbos. Slichas and everything. Okay, Malava Malka.